I'm gentle. I've got a gentle soul. Welcome to the Electronic Wireless Show, the Rock Paper Shotgun Electronic Wireless Show. It is episode 83 on the 30th of May. It's good to have you with us, and it's good also to have with us Alice Bale, as usual. Hello. And Matthew Castle, as unusual. Hello. I'm not that unusual. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... Uh, That's a little Matthew. taster of the the bants to come. <laughs> Matthew is our video person for people who don't know Matthew. Yes, you probably do know Matthew because he's been on this loads of times. Yeah. Uh, how are we all? We're all good. Yeah. Yes. I'm good. I have got. I have been uh, the past few weeks discovering the delights of the Iceland meat-free range. Uh, let me tell you, if you're a vegetarian, I know you'll be interested in this, Matthew, because you love you you. You're always chatting with with Alice L about meat free options and that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Against uh, my uh, will. <laughs> and, and it is honestly so good. Do if you're vegetarian, do not sleep on the Iceland meat free range. It is amazing. I've made, uh, myself some mac and cheese. With chorizo, no pigs harmed in the making of my mac and cheese with chorizo. Unbelievable. What's the chorizo? I don't know what they're made of, but they've even made it look like chorizo. It's got like you know how real chorizo has like little sort of circles of fat in it and everything. Mm. They've sort of they've 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 kind of artificially done that, and it even made they... the cheese sauce go a bit red, and and like left wow. marks. And stuff. They've they've even s- simulated the bits of meat you don't want. Yeah, it's really impressive. <laughs> right down for to our, the gristle. Mm. For our US listeners, we should point out that Iceland is a chain of uh, food shops. It's not. It's not. Alice hasn't gone to Iceland to get big <laughs> chorizo. Yeah. Imagine if I had though. But yeah, Iceland does mainly frozen foods, hence the name, and was advertised for many years by Kerry Katona, saying, that's why mums shop at Iceland, like that. Try explaining that to Americans. (laughs) Kerry Katona, yeah, well. (laughs) Would you explain Kerry Kerry Katona Katona. in, like, the context of Atomic Kitten, or the... the <laughs> just trying to explain things to the US people <laughs> or, by you know, saying more in- unintelligible stuff to them. <laughs> Brian from Westlife, that was her, wasn't it? Uh, what, they were the same person? Never saw them in the same room at the same time. <laughs> I always thought their divorce was fishy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you're in the UK... Just buy, just buy a load of ice and meat-free stuff. It's great. The chicken is like actual chicken. I made a, I made a banging fake chicken stir fry, and the meatballs are amazing. Uh, yeah. Anyway, other frozen retailers are available, but get on Iceland. What I, you know, what I like about Iceland, I really like that. Uh, that is named for the country where, uh, there was a lot of Vikings, um, and scalds. And they were great fans of sailing across the ocean and finding new places and discovering places. Uh, and that is what our podcast is about uh, this week. It's about you did it. discovery. That's, that's amazing, Brendan. That's why they pay you the medium bucks, right? 
<laughs> that is exactly why I get the mediocre books. Discovery, games that make us feel a sense of discovery or make us curious about what's over the horizon or what this weird ball of matter does or things like that. That's our theme this week. Um, I think it was uh, triggered by some games that we've been playing recently. Yeah, but, that's uh, a... we'll talk. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. It's a teaser, uh, quality teaser, Brendan. You're killing it this week. You're absolutely smashing it. I know. It. I know. If only we could be so professional on the other 82 episodes. <laughs> Matthew, what is? Give us a good game that gives you a sense of childish wonder at at whatever it is you're discovering. Um, I pick. And I, 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 I talked about this in relation to another game that we'll talk about later. Um, I think Sea of Thieves has quite a good sense of discovery. Ooh, okay. um, have Have either of you played Sea of Thieves? I yeah, no. I have a bit. It's um, you know, it's a big ocean full of islands, and you discover them. I rest my case. <laughs> Alice, well, well done, Poirot. <laughs> No, um... I have gathered you here today. Was it you, Brendan, who killed the vicar? (laughs) That was my Poirot. You said we weren't allowed to talk about murders in today's episode. Oh yeah, specifically not. We were going to do today's episode on mystery, because it's a little like Discovery, except we (laughs) realised that we did that a few episodes ago. The Um, same three as well. (laughs) So, it's Discovery. Sea of Thieves, right? Sea of Thieves. So what I like about Sea of Thieves is that, and this is key to discovery, it's all a little vague. You know, it it asks you to find treasure chests with treasure maps. You know, you get the shape of the island, you get the cross on the map, and then you have to look at a bigger map and find, uh, you know, an island in the shape of a boot or whatever and and sail to it. But I, I like the sense of, working it out for yourself and getting to a place and discovering that you were right is in my head kind of part of the appeal of sort of discovery adventures you know it's it's the kind of logic that you or the idea that you've kind of conquered the the logic of that world and 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 worked out kind of what makes it tick and you know it's i don't think it's just about like blindly heading into nowhere and seeing what happens you know the great adventurers, mm. you know, I don't think they were just, you know, sailing, sailing west on a on a bit of a jolly. You know, they had an idea of where to go and and to find something great, and and that is, I think, at the the heart of discovery. Do I don't know, agree? man. Well, one of them landed in um, America and thought it was India, so let's not give them too much credit, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe I'm overestimating <laughs> the ability of our great explorers. I do... Like, I agree that Sea of Thieves has this nice sense of adventure for a bit. I, I felt like it ran out a bit because you start recognising the islands and stuff. But it is nice, yeah. like... Especially if you're teaming up with people you don't know or people who don't speak the same language even and you're just communicating by sort of crouching and hopping up and down places and using the context shouting. Um, that yeah. is, other that's fun. Can, other people can undermine the, the, uh, like the drama of discovery though because if you like, you know, you rock up at some amazing, beautiful island and you've discovered it and it should be this kind of, quite satisfying moment of like we did it guys we did it and then there's some like guy puking up next to you or puking (laughs) up on you and then you're seeing your discovery through a kind of veneer of of their puke um that's not ideal (laughs) a mirror glaze a little and that's like if if christopher columbus when he discovered america was like there was some bloat there like puking on his boots, you know, he'd be like, well, "Why? Why have you done this?" <laughs> yeah, I, I did like my favorite thing actually. I really liked doing was like, I had, 
like crewing a little sloop by myself and just sort of desperately collecting treasure chests and like running dark and sailing only at night with all the lights off. And and like I basically was like RPing as a lone smuggler quite a lot because I, I just liked the kind of, you know, the silent creaking ship and, you know, the the nighttime sea. And also because I, like you, found that sometimes... Be- like, one time I was with a, a small crew and then these lads blew up a ship that was, like, our ship because they were coming in to dock and our ship was in the way. And we hadn't even got on it yet. I was like, lads, <laughs> that's not very, you know... <laughs> That's that's not There's on, no, is it? No like... honor amongst thieves, and that's one of the famous things they say about thieves. Well, yeah. <laughs> so you were sailing at night, Alice, to avoid being seen by other players. Is that it? Yeah, because some lads will. So the efficient thing to do, right, is to go around, do loads of islands, dig up loads of treasure, and you know, get loads of skulls or whatever like basically you don't want to keep going backwards and forwards to the to the port so you you take on all the missions you can go out do all of them or a lot of them and then come back uh with treasure so i i think some players know that if they spot someone who is sailing back towards a friendly port that means it's probably full of treasure (laughs) Uh um so so you will get ganked by other pirates, basically. I tell you what, gank doing the ganking is really satisfying. Um, like one of the very first things we did was gank a bloke who was just by himself, transporting loads of chests, and we saw him. And oh. four of us were just like, "Let's get him!" And we got him, stole all his treasure. He'd sailed it back to the island for us. Thank you very much, kind pirate man. Um, yeah, it was great. Well, I'd... We'd Imagine how much scurvy dogs. How Not much really. longer like would have taken it? True pirate experience we gave him. I, I'm disgusted. It would have taken oh. him so much longer getting all that stuff by himself. You, you're everything yeah. that's wrong with piracy. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then, but then, like counter to that, there's all the games where I got like match made with like a crew of three you know germans who are mates and they just instantly put me in the brig because i wasn't like the german guy on their ship that they wanted so i'm stuck in this cage while i hear all these blokes talking in german and laughing about it and it feels to me like you got you got an authentic pirate experience there (laughs) all right they're not they're not gonna take you on just because you know just some english man coming aboard and thinking he runs the show it is a really weird sensation being in a cage while your captives kind of talk in a language you don't understand. I guess that is probably quite true to the, you know, <laughs> the pirate life, kidnapping and all that. There you go. Uh, Alice, have you got any games that are good for a sense of discovery? I Yeah, well, I've got a weird one because I was thinking about it and that a lot of the ones that... I would have brought up we already talked about in in the mystery episode almost. This um, is this is such a flawed episode concept. I know, yeah. <laughs> um but I am gonna say uh everybody's gone to the rapture. Which is a a weird one. Um but I really like exploring games where they have a sense of like the the place really feels like a place and it sort of makes sense in the way it works um and i really felt that everybody's gone to the rapture had that and so i wanted to explore it more and also like it it was very much like my home village where i grew up as well so uh i was i was i was like these has done a really great job you know um and so it's not so much like this the kind of story of everybody's gone to the rapture, I think, actually ends up being a bit of a, a damp squib, and I, like that's not what I liked dis- discovering. I liked discovering the town, and I liked discovering all the weird, you know, kind of cross-pollinated, weird, grudgy town relationships, small town relationships, and stuff. Um, and also, I found it really interesting because it's set up like a real town, and it leads you very deliberately around a certain path and you're supposed to discover things in a certain order 
I also didn't do that. So similar to how I think I mentioned before, I played Firewatch very much like it was a game. And so like I, I used my little disposable camera to document incidents of like vandalism in the wood and stuff and people not clearing up their trash. Because <laughs> I thought I'd get like points for it or something. <laughs> it... <laughs> it's like literally they've left that fire un- unattended there Ka-ching. um like in everybody's gone to the rapture they've made it like a village but i was walking around it like a game because i didn't want to miss anything so i was sort of doing a grid search pattern like i was going in lines across <laughs> the map <laughs> Oh my god, you're just going through this village like it's a like it's a corridor in a space like a spaceship. You need to search every yeah. every bin for every piece of ammo that you need to find. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I want to find all the radios. And then I ended up mucking it up for myself because it meant I approached the field in the wrong direction and all this kind of stuff. So I massively screwed it up for myself and had to, I sort of had to play it again. And, and do it like a proper person. But I find that really interesting, like, discovering things in games where, like, because, because the way... Because you can, like, if you've been playing games long enough, you develop a sort of mindset where you're like, well, I know where I need to go is probably down that path, so I'll go down this other path first. Um, uh, and so, like, like, one time my big brother was playing... Um, I think it was one of the Dragon Ages, and it was really the map kind of showed you which way you needed to go by sort of marking, you know, the path with like you like follow the crystals, I think. Um, but he was looking at the quest marker on the mini map, and so was like relentlessly running into a wall because that like because the game bit of the game was telling him to go that way. So I, I like. Think- uh- sorry i like when that happens in games but you've got two corridors to go down and you start going down one and then you're like no this probably is the one i need to go down so i'll I'll double back (laughs) and you do this little dance and you're going up and down each corridor going which way is the way i'm i need to go first to like which is the dead end i want to explore first and it's like doing that thing in the street where you know someone is walking towards you and you go left but they go left and you go right but they go right and it's like doing that with the map designer like the level designer and you just going, oh, sorry, whoops. <laughs> it's just, oh. Especially if you know it's a game where you can't return to an area, where you're yeah. like looking down a corridor and you're like, does that bin down there look like a kind of main quest line bin? Or is that a, <laughs> like, is that the end of it? And you're trying to judge it or the sound of it. You're like, mm, there's some enemies down there, but is that like a bonus fight or is that the main fight? Uh there's that like happens some... all the time. I'm so paranoid about missing stuff. Like yeah. I edge very carefully everywhere I go. I'm a very timid adventurer. I yeah, I do exactly oh. the same thing, and I do think it it is to the detriment of my actual experience of the game. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's also because I yeah. like I I can't be bothered doing second playthroughs of stuff as much anymore. Because I'm tired and I don't have the time, so like, so I want to see everything the first time I play a game, you know. Because I'm, like, I'm probably not coming back to this for for a yeah. good three four years, mate. Like, yeah, that happens a lot. Like, weirdly, this is a slight side note, but also kind of related. Um, been revisiting 2016's Doom at the moment, uh, and I just wanted to get your your quick take on something. The game, like, all the, the action of the game, incredibly fast-moving, you know, really like, oh, there's this huge drive to kind of churn through it, keep moving, push forward. It's, you know, you really have to play aggressively. But then the other half of the game is I'm terrified of missing, like, the 30 secrets that are hidden behind air vents and, like, hidden walls, and there are switches that open doors. And it's really fiddly, that side of the game. And I, I, I can't in my head work out who the person is who likes both the the insane action and the nitty gritty puzzle excavation? Um, who, do you like either of those things? Both those things. I like both of them, but I've... not together, right? Like, <laughs> how do they go together in Doom? 
Sorry, I know this is a side note. I just it's been it's been bothering me. <laughs> um, I've not played Doom six, uh, 2016, so I yeah, don't know me either, exactly exactly okay, maybe there is what your problem is. I'm just trying to work out who likes both of those things at the same time because it doesn't make any sense to me. But no. listener, eh, whatever. Li- Sorry, for listener. This. If you if you are the person who, out there who likes both of those things, please email us podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. It keeps with... me awake at night. <laughs> <laughs> and tell Matthew exactly how he is supposed to enjoy this. Yeah. Give How do I enjoy Doom? How do I Doom, listener? How do I Doom? There... Sorry um... for that. Sorry, sorry for that distraction. <laughs> it, it reminds me of um, before the fourth, the the four, the fourth, um, came out, and because I really like the original thief games as as do many and i remember i can't remember who it was but someone on the dev team said like you know this new thief is we're going to cater for like the people who like finding all the the secrets and the reading notes and figuring everything out and people who don't and at that point i was like oh it's gonna be isn't it (laughs) so sorry brenton but like you 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 can't can't have it both ways mate Pick yeah. a lane. You play Thief for the sprinting. That's what exactly. I love about Thief. Yeah. Sprinting. <laughs> Baffling. Right. Sorry, Brendan. Are there... Alright, back on track here, people. Yes. Come on. Back on track. Um, What were we talking about? Do you have Discovering. a game? Yeah, what's yours? Do you have one? Um, I have one. But we've already talked about it loads. And it's Subnautica. I think Subnautica does Discovery really well. Because... You're on a big ocean planet, and you, it, you're just kind of thrown in, and they say, "Oh, there you go, survive there," and you get rewarded for being curious and basically kind of finding out what things do and how they react. And there's all these animals, and you can you can know they're scary, and you can know oh, that big shark or that big toothy animal is going to go for me. But you can discover new ways to kind of uh, deal with them. Or you can discover new places you can go to get the resources that you can use to deal with an animal problem you have or something like that. Uh, And it just is a game that just kind of is consistently giving you somewhere to go and discover, like a place to go and explore. And then also rewarding you when you get there and going, oh look, you find a, you know, you find an abandoned underwater station here from a family who lived here before. So maybe, uh, and that'll give you something else to to like some other little trail to pick up and go somewhere else. Um, so I think it's really, I think the story in Subnautica is very light touch, but light touch in the best way. Like it always just it like leaves little breadcrumbs for you to follow. And uh, in the in a broad way, so you'll you'll figure it out. You'll not figure it out yourself because they're giving you the breadcrumbs, but it'll feel like you you're figuring it out for yourself. You know, like you're yeah. in a field, but the breadcrumb is really big, and you can see the breadcrumb, but you still you still like no. I find this field. I know this field. It. I was here first. Is it? You've got a part of my ignorance on this because I I haven't played Subnautica, which I know is terrible, and I I should really rectify that. Is it is it just one like big handcrafted ocean, or is it? It's not like procedural, or it's not procedural. It's not like um, no, it well, it's not got like we're gonna talk about a game later. We're gonna talk about Outer Wilds later soon. And it's not as hand like it doesn't feel as like handcrafted as that. Like so a lot of the ocean is just like big and quite featureless. There are there's right. featureless parts of it, but it is still all made. Like it's it's, it's the same for every player. Right, right. Um, I used to have a um, a submarine game. I think in the late nineties called Subculture, where you had a little yellow submarine and um not related to the song uh the game was you know not as whimsical as that um <laughs> and you were just sort of ex- exploring this sort of murky abyss um 
not not by design. I think it's just the graphical limitations. You know, everything was sort of in a deep fog, and actually that suited Ocean quite well. Uh, I don't think we ever got very far in it. Like whenever it had, a, I think there were elements of elite to it. You had to like upgrade the submarine and whatnot. And basically, if we ran into any threat, it would just kill us. So as far as me and my brother are concerned, it was just a game where we were in a submarine for ten minutes at a time and then died over and over again. But I quite like the idea of the ocean. Um, I guess it's similar to Outer Worlds, as we'll talk about later. In that, it's like discovery games tend to be about professions of of discoverers, you know, sea exploration, space exploration. It, I guess it's like naturally baked in that those things feel mysterious and exciting. Yeah. Let's um let's talk about Outer Wilds. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. We're dying to. Unless Alice, do you have any other um uh, Any other discovery no. games? I was going to briefly um, mention Journey, which is out on PC next week. It's June anyway this year, um, which is nice because you're discovering stuff with a person. Uh, it's sort of got this co-op thing where, you know, you get a little mate who will sort of lead you. If it's someone who's played it before, they'll kind of lead you to the next bit and, and where you need to go and stuff. It's just really nice. There you go. That's Journey. <laughs> Done. Boom. Journey's nice. It has some of the best sand in a game. <laughs> mm. And also deliberately sort of looks like underwater sometimes as well. So even though you're flying. So it's all thematically linked. Hey, Brendan, what have you been playing this week? We are going to talk about what we've been playing this week, yeah, because I think Matthew specifically came to me and said, Brendan, get me on the podcast. I've got to talk about Outer Wilds. I've got to. You were like that, weren't you? You were like, you, you were like chewing your lips. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure I quite kind of, uh, yeah, I'm not sure the lip chewing was part of it, but. Yeah. You were, you were, you were chewing your lips and you were saying, I've got to talk about Outer Wilds, get me on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Brent, Brendan told me about it, he seemed quite rattled. He was like, I don't know what, I don't know what he'll do if we don't let him oh, on. Oh no. I'm not a threatening man. I'm gentle. I've got a gentle soul. Uh, I'm going to ask you, I've been playing it as well, but I'm going to ask you, Matthew to tell the listener about Outer Wilds. Not Outer Worlds. That's a different game. And Outer not Wilds. the Outer Wilds, which I kept calling it in my script, and then poor Alice, when she was editing the video, had to edit out about a hundred thus. <laughs> so whenever I say Outer Wilds in the video, it sounds like it comes as a surprise because there was meant to be another word before it. <laughs> uh, there you go. Taking you behind the scenes. How the, how the magic is happens. Um... Outer Wilds is a space exploration adventure where you are a little astronaut on a kind of planet uh, of of an alien race. I don't think they're actually... Are they Hornfelds? Or is that a, a character called Hornfeld? Or maybe That's I get a character. I don't, I don't know what the alien's called. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yes, there's a character called Hornfelds who comes up a lot. Anyway, you uh, take off in your rocket and you go for a little space adventure to discover new worlds or find other astronauts uh the kind of mission is kind of up to you it's just a culture built around exploring the stars um but then the the sun goes supernova and consumes the 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 solar system after about 20 minutes that you've been in the air but then you'll re you find yourself reborn uh, back at the campfire just before liftoff and you realize that you are trapped in a groundhog day-esque time loop uh, giving you 20 minutes to, well, continue your space mission, maybe get to the heart of why the universe is exploding or why you keep coming back to life. There are kind of lots of vague mysteries and you're kind of free to pursue them in any order you want. It's not a game that gives you clear objectives. You know, it, anything you discover, any kind of confirmed information you discover is stored in your ship's computer which is the only other 
thing which survives the, each time loop. And from this, you just sort of go about building a bigger picture of the universe and trying to make those 20 minutes work for this uh, journey as best they can is, is the kind of the rough pitch of it. I think that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's, you are right. Yes. Well, it's kind of strange because to sort of when you actually talk about your like objective in the game, it is quite you know, the game really doesn't say like right, you've got to stop the universe from exploding, or right, you've got to get yourself out of this time loop, or there's there's nothing like that. So to actually say the game is about one thing or the other is kind of impossible. Like it's, you, I think you're. I sort of mentioned this in the video. I think lots of different people could probably tackle it in different orders and end up thinking it's about different things. Like the, as as you find information and fill up your ship's computer, it, it kind of begins to resemble one of those kind of um, pin boards that detectives stick their clues to. You know, it joins all the information and locations and basically explains how the different things you've found kind of interconnect. But they then sort of group around sort of bigger ideas um which all gradually begin to come together as well but like which of those bigger ideas is kind of the meat of it is sort of for you to discover and you know there was i i thought i was very much following you know what i thought was like oh this is the obvious story route this is where the clues are obviously leading me early on but then i've talked to other people and they they've seen you know they they found other things first and it completely changed the kind of what they thought was the thrust of the game, um, which I guess is like the kind of true heart of discovery as well. You know, like having the space to have your own sort of journey and your own kind of adventure within that world is one of the huge sort of things that appeals to me about our outer worlds. I mean, like it's hard to talk about without spoiling a lot of the specifics. But mm. I, what did what did you kind of get up to in your early hours, Brindy? Um, I think I was very, like, conservative in my space exploration to begin with. Because I I played a little bit before in preview events, and also they had a prototype demo years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I kind of knew some of the big things that were going to happen. Or some of the, the worlds. I, I knew roughly what each world was going to be. Uh, right. So, so I decided. Oh, I've not been to the moon around the home planet before. Just the moon, mm. like, and that's all. That's what space people do first, isn't it? They just go to the moon. <laughs> and I think, I think it's designed so that a lot of players will do that as well. Like they'll just think, okay, well, going to the moon is something that hu- humanity did, and it was like f- the first step kind of thing. So I think a lot of players will. We'll, we'll follow that. Um, and when you get to the moon, there's like a little man from the village living there. And there's uh, he's got a little campfire of his own. One of the things you can do is like put a marshmallow on an end of a stick and just eat marshmallows. Like just roast marshmallows. Yeah. Um, it has loads of like little things that I love. Um, but after I, um, yeah, after the moon, I just kind of went willy nilly following different little threads and stuff like that. And I would I would touch down on a planet and I would kind of try and exhaust that planet as much as I could and then go off to a new one. Uh, but I don't think you, you you wouldn't need to play like that. Like you can land on a planet, like faff around for a little bit at one, I don't know, cool cave you find on a, on a rocky planet. And then you'll say, OK, well, I find a, some alien script there that talked about a different place. And then you can immediately just take off and go to that other place because it takes seconds to get from one planet to another. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I found that, like, often it would be my mistakes that took me off down weird new avenues. Like, there's there's one planet which has got a sort of black hole at the heart of it, like, in its core. <laughs> and the kind of planet is gradually falling into the black hole, which is just a kind of an interesting thing. Because it means across the 20-minute window, the actual physical makeup of the planet and the bits you can get to radically change. So, you know, if you have something in mind, you may need to, like sort of speed over there quite quickly before it actually just gets vaporized but i fell into the black hole and then that kind of popped me out somewhere else entirely and 
then all of a sudden I was dealing with all this weird stuff that that led me to, and that wasn't something I'd even thought was there. Um, that's I, I, one of my favourite things about it is, you know, kind of almost outside of the planets, there is a lot of like stuff. Uh, it, it's my, it, it's kind of bigger than it first appears. I guess is the, is the thing. You know, like on the surface things look quite simple, but you know, once you get, like, inside some of the planets, or you can start messing around with teleporty stuff, you end up going to some slightly wilder places, and, you know, it, it just seemed to be a world that kept kind of growing and growing and growing, and, you know, which was, you know, just incredibly exciting to discover for the first time, you know, you're just like, oh my god, you know, when's this, when's this thing gonna stop? Because it's all so handcrafted as well, you think, like, how have they balanced this kind of scale with this kind of attention to detail? Um, which I guess is why it's taken, whatever, five years, six years or something. Yeah. Right. Alice, you made a noise like, whoa, there. Yeah, that just sounds like amazing. Had a like, like the black hole, like falling through the black hole and stuff. That's 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 oh, so cool. It is. It, 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 it's kind of like, it, for me, it, it's, it's, not, it's, not like a, it's not a dumb game, but it's quite sort of simple in how it presents stuff. It's not very nerdy about the sci-fi. Like it, it presents everything in a very approachable way. But it kind of hits all the, the big beats and the stuff that I like about big sci-fi films, but films that I often find quite cold, quite sterile, because of the, the sort of science angle. You know, things like Interstellar, you know, on paper, Interstellar, you know, he's going to these amazing planets where you're like, oh my god, this is amazing. But everyone's too busy going, the Earth's dying, so no one has any fun. Um, but here, like, you get to see all this stuff, and that that time loop, which I've seen some people say, well, isn't that really stressful that you have this time loop? Well, it's not. It's liberating, because you're like, well, I know I've got this limited time, so I can kind of try anything. Like, if I die, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm only a minute away, and it means, I, you know, I can guarantee certain things. I know how this world, well, over time, I know how this world is going to behave, and I know I can basically get to anywhere I want to now. I, you know, it's kind of completely under my control. And so I've got these, like, science fiction moments on tap. You know, if I want to mess around with a black hole, I know where to go. You know, if I want to try and shoot myself out of gravity cannon, I know where to go. It, it's, I don't know, it's it's really, uh, it's, it's so fun. It's found so much fun in ideas which are normally treated so seriously. Which one I think of the, is... sorry, it's just like one of the one of the best um, things about it is you say like the sci-fi moments on tap, and it really does deliver like some really fun like instances straight out of like a cartoon, like cartoon child-friendly Interstellar, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's like your ship can get damaged. Um, so at one point, like I damaged my ship, but I was still flying around in space. So you you have to kind of park your ship by making it, you know, stay in one place and you get up, get out to try and fix the ship. And then you'd realize that you're actually in the orbital path of another planet and it's coming closer to you and you haven't, you just hadn't, didn't turn around and check if there's this massive planet coming towards you. So it leads to this kind of panicked scramble to get back into your ship. Yeah. And get out of there as fast as you can. Um, and there's just loads of little tiny things like that I love. I love whenever you, when you die, um, you just appear back at the campfire again as if, you know, Groundhog Day style. But when you die, depending on how you die, your character will give like a different kind of gasp as they, as they wake up again back at the, back at the campfire. Yeah. Like if they if they die to the supernova, they wake up with a kind of like um like a calm kind of a gasp, like a like a, a gasp of wonderment, like. <gasps> but if if you die because you've you've run out of oxygen or something, or you've fallen into space without your spacesuit on, you wake up with this kind of like gasping for air gasp, like <gasps> like yeah. like you like your character was really frightened, like they're waking up from it, a nightmare. It it's actually really reminded me of uh, was um. The Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise film, where yeah, have you yeah. seen it? Because he keeps dying in stupid ways, and I, I had, I, I had stretches of it where like I'd crash into the sun, and then the next time I'd just smash my visor against a cliff, and that would be it. And then I'd get eaten by some giant beast, or you know, I'd accidentally send my ship through some kind of warp, and then I'd just be floating in space, like 
you know, thousands of miles from anything. And it really began to feel like, you know, I'd seen all these sort of, you know, I died in all these kind of hilarious ways. And, you know, especially where there's, you know, there there are a couple of things which are a bit more skill-based in the game where you will die a lot more. And, and when you're doing those particular moments, um, you know, it begins to become quite farcical because you're just like, oh, God, you know, this guy just keeps carking it over and over again. This is such a miserable, miserable existence. Because um, when you die as well, it sort of shows you your life in snapshot form, that, that the life you've just led in that 20 minutes, it kind of flips back. And sometimes it's literally like a picture of an incredibly close sun and then a picture of you taking off because that's all you did was take <laughs> off and burn. And you're like, yeah, yeah, fair enough. You know, <laughs> like that wasn't a life well spent. Um, oh, it's so good. What a good game. I wish I could reset my brain and redo it all over again. That's the, that's the thing. Yeah. It's got yeah. like the puzzle when you like, there is a lot of puzzling like baked into the, the time stuff and some of it is just so clever and so natural you know it's just once you've done it it seems so obvious and it's 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 beautifully done really you know the sort of yeah stupidly stupidly clever i want to play it now so that's what we've been playing you should play it alice you absolutely yeah. should everyone everyone here should um but what what have you been playing? You've been playing another game, which is about discovering things closer to home. Yes, well, there's too many too many games I want to play now. I want to play Observation. I was going to play that at the weekend. I didn't have time. But yeah, uh, so I have been playing today. Literally, as we record this, I had to stop playing it to come do this. I've been playing uh, Draugen, which is a sort of um, kind of mystery discovery thing. Um, uh, it's set in Norway, and uh, you are this guy, uh, Edward, Teddy, and you've come to uh, um, this uh, remote, really remote, isolated village called Gravik in in a fjord in Norway, uh, with uh, Alice. <laughs> You're she's like a seventeen year old ward ish. Um, it's set in like. 1923 uh, and Alice in particular says like old sport and old bean loads and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, do you like that she talks like that it's well I, I kind of I at first I was like alright dial it back but um, but then I don't yeah. know how much people in the 20s did talk like that I just think it's unfortunate that she talks like the great Gatsby because that's all anyone will think of <laughs> yeah. um uh, but yeah, you turn up at this remote village. There's no way to leave. Um, you have to row there because the ferry's, you know, uh, decommissioned and the telegraph's not working. So you, basically, you, Teddy, are there looking for your sister, Elizabeth, who's a journalist. And uh, it's great. It's all explained in the opening scene, which is very expositional dialogue. Like, uh, it's it's all like, let's say each other's full names out loud. And like, we've come here all the way from Boston, <laughs> Massachusetts. And like, um, so you, you've basically, it's taken you a month to get there. You sent a letter to the, you know, the people in the village and they said, you can stay with us. Uh, so then you set off, it's taken you a month to get there. And in the intervening month, something has happened because you turn up and there's nobody there. The village is deserted. Um, so it's sort of similar to everybody's gone to the rapture, I suppose. Um, everybody's gone to the Ragnarok. Yeah. <laughs> Wee. You're, you're on fire, Brendan. Throw a blanket ah. on him. Uh, ah. <laughs> oh no, the blanket's on fire too. Okay. God. Let's talk more about the game. <laughs> yeah. So it's first person uh, exploration. Uh, you can run. There is a run button. Um. And so you're exploring this this village, trying to figure out what happened, where everyone is, and you're gradually you you sort of gradually explore more as you get more comfortable with the idea that there's nobody there. Because you start off and you're a bit like, well, I don't want to go upstairs in the house because they, you know, they'll be back and whatever. Um, so you gradually find more and more things and letters, and you're piecing together 
the the sort of relationships in the town you find like a photograph in one house and then there's a copy of it in the local store but they've torn out one of the people in it and so you're like oh what's going on that um so there's this gradual layering of of stuff on top and it's all it's a bit spooky um and it it's very good it's there's a there's a kind of comical almost contrast i don't think it's entirely meant to be but like the contrast between teddy and uh alice who's called lissy which is annoying um <laughs> like she's very like proactive and like come on let's break and enter and do whatever and he's like no alice it's not safe i'm an old fuddy-duddy kind of thing um so they're like, you know, well, what an odd couple. I bet there'll be hijinks with these two around, etc. Um, uh, but it's really nice, like the the you even though it's, like the village is empty, there's this constant feeling that it's not. And you keep hearing sort of creaks, like when you're upstairs in the house, it sort of sounds like someone might be downstairs walking around and stuff. Um, so it's always a bit spooky and on edge, and it's a very nice layering of. Um, things gradually being revealed kind of organically as you, as you walk around the village it's very pretty um i'm not finished it yet uh there's some stuff i won't talk about that's very interesting actually but that i, I don't want to spoil because it's a massive spoiler but it's it's very it's it's sort of hinted at very cleverly um uh and so yeah i am enjoying it and i'd like to wrap this up so i can finish it please is um is it like is the village a really open one like in everybody's gone to the rapture or is it is there like a particular path you're expected to tread down there is a little i mean it's open like you can walk around and look at all of it but you can't necessarily reach all the bits of it first so so you can you can go you can walk around the village but like you won't be able to get in some of the buildings or some of the paths will be You'll you'll go back to later kind of thing. It's quite a small self-contained little area, um, so it's not a massive game or anything. It's I would say it's 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 more everybody's gone to the rapture, but there are still bits like like there's a church and you go up to the church, but you don't go in it until later kind of thing. So you go up to the church on your first day, but don't go in it until like but you know a few days later or whatever. Okay, it's good. I like it. Does it have any chunky Nordic noir knitwear? No, sadly not. Um, I'm interested then. Let's castle out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it might do, actually. I haven't haven't met any of the Nords yet. Maybe that'll be DLC. Knitwear DLC. Yeah, big... Big chunky jumper. (laughs) Nice, nice thick, thick gauge needles, you know. My, my, my mum, and I don't know if this is true, but my mum said that when she was at school, the insult used to be that you yell at the other girls was, "Yeah, well, your mum can't knit," <laughs> which seems really antiquated and specific, but you know, that's quite the burn. It is, isn't it? Um, <laughs> your mum can't knit. Yeah, it's a lie as well. My granny couldn't, and my mum. Are you sure that your mum didn't try to tell you that so that you would go around shouting quite nice things to people whenever you wanted to insult them? No, it was when she was trying to convince me to learn how to knit. So oh. she she, <laughs> she may have entirely made it up, but I, I I do know how to knit and and also crochet. There you go. I'm very rusty, though. Don't ask me to make anything. Let's wrap this up in a way. Um, you're right in saying that every, there's a load of games out, there's tons of games out, and we need to go and play them all. So let's see what our listeners have said this week about our theme. <laughs> Every week we ask on Facebook and Twitter what uh, our readers or listeners think of the theme. Uh, This week we asked what games give you a magic feeling of discovery. And we have plenty of answers this week, I think. Oh, we do. Uh, Too many. Do less answers next time. 
Few, fewer answers <laughs> next time, please. Uh, Sin, Sin Vega, who writes for us, uh, says Minecraft back when it was glitchier and when I only played it once every 18 months or so because it would take over my life. I still remember one Christmas when it snowed over the first time and the time I found an abandoned mine underneath a frozen river. I do like Minecraft for walking, running off and finding weird places and cool things. That is cool. Lots of people saying Subnautica. Not many votes for subculture. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. <laughs> I'm going to put a link to subculture uh, to show people what it is. So. Subculture, that's what people refer to this podcast as. <laughs> uh, Phil Carlisle and uh, Henriksen on Twitter have both said satisfactory. Uh, spend a long time building in one area, which means when going somewhere new, it feels completely alien. Have you guys? I haven't played Satisfactory. It's on my to-play list. Uh, no, we can offer no insight. We'll never get. Oh, a good vote for uh, CFEs from Astrid Johnson. Finding a message in a bottle on the shore of a beach or uncovering an unexpected chest full of treasure feels whimsical as hell. Which I agree with. That is correct. <laughs> Harry. Harry Tomlinson says, Caves of Cud, the graphical abstraction makes the world map feel totally unknowable and means that whenever you do find a settlement or ruin, it genuinely feels like discovery. Caves of Cud is one of those ASCII games that's absolutely impossible to understand, unless you've been playing for like nine years. Paul uh, Rinbeek on Twitter, uh, not Twitter, on Facebook, I'm probably slow at that, uh, says Mad Max which I would not have thought of initially, uh, but it says it has some cool secrets and Easter eggs to find and just has a beautiful world overall. I think everyone agrees that like the best thing about Mad Max was you know, the the, the world and, and the kind of photo mode that went along with it. It was a surprisingly beautiful kind of horrible hellscape of, of a, a desert, you know. I like that you had a little mutant that lived on your car. <laughs> More games need a little mutant that lives on your car. Gotta vote for Kerbal Space Program, which I would agree with, from The Siege, says Kerbal Space Program. Yeah. See, no, it's not a... It, it, half a not a PC entry. Someone mentions Breath of the Wild, of course. An amazing exploration and discovery game. Um, uh... But they also say As- Assassin's Creed Origins. Where where, where do you... Uh, that's from Cala... Uh, Phil... Oh, no. That's from Bendy the Inkling. Um, where do you stand on Assassin's Creed, the newest, the recent two, as uh, Discovery games? Because I feel like the worlds are absolutely massive, but I still think I'm walking towards question marks. I don't yeah. know. I, d- I don't know. Well, first of all, hello, it's Matthew. The Nintendo liker has logged on. <laughs> well, Breath of the World is the best exploration I mean, it is probably the best game ever made. Yeah, there you like, go. Probably. probably. Um, I think Assassin's Creed pretended it was going to do the discovery thing more than it actually did. Because um, you could, in theory, turn off the herd and stuff. Uh, but even that, like at their recommended level of herd, there was still a lot going on the screen. And even in like. Uh, the latest one, um, Odyssey, it has like, it it's done this thing where it gives you three clues as to where the thing you need to find is, but it basically goes like, uh, this lad is uh, in an area, yeah, this lad is on the island of whatever, he is east of the where, like the third clue is basically there, he's here, he's here, this is where he is, go here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> It goes from va- incredibly vague to incredibly specific. Yeah. This so lad it, is on Kefalonia down to... This lad is eating an apple by the fountain. He's literally right there by the fountain. The guy with the apple. That's him. That's the lad. You're like, that is a long-ass <laughs> clue. Uh, yeah. I would love it if the clues were more like that. Um, <laughs> but, so, like, they pre- they pretend to involve more discovery than they actually do. But having said that, I think, like, the first time you turn up at you know, the the Great Pyramids or Alexandria or the Sphinx or whatever, and you go, ah, oh, that's pretty cool, isn't it? 
you know, or like, you know, when you're in Greece and you go to Olympus and you see the Chris Elephantin statue of Zeus and stuff, you're like, yeah, fair play. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Craypool says No Man's Sky did a good sense of discovery for a while before it was clear that there was little variation in the planet's flora and fauna. Um, and I, I'm just reading the, this comment because I want you to know, Craig, that Outer Wilds is your cure for No Man's Sky. If you have No Man's Sky blues. Is that current No Man's Sky or, or really similar Sky? Because they've been Either. supporting the it a lot, same. right? They're the same. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Okay, br- yeah, brilliant. Okay, sorted. Stephen McNeese uh, suggests, I love how the Witnesses world mysteries and themes unfurled as you dove deeper into its world, which I had written down the Witness as one of my good discovery games. Um, I think it's not so much like, because the island itself, it's not that it's small, but you know, it, it's not like a physically hard place to get around, but the the whole thing with the Witness of the kind of, the obvious puzzles and the hidden puzzles, the kind of world of the hidden puzzles, I thought was absolutely brilliant. You know, the way that you just discovered that everything was there for a reason, like literally every lost bush could potentially factor into something I thought was super, super good on a... as a. But I guess that's more one big discovery of like, oh, okay, this is how this world functions. Um, but it was pretty cool when it happened. Chess Charles says, still learning new moves at chess. Did you know the king can go backwards and forwards? Thank, thank you for that. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Chess Charles. Someone in on Facebook suggests Yakuza. I was going to say that, yeah, Brendan. I saw that and I thought, I was like, oh, really? <laughs> like, it, it's, it's literally the same city block in every game, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe they mean, maybe Christian. Uh, De La Cruz here means um, like discovering the new side quests and little like strange things that you get into. Right. It is a game that's about like get it like there's a lot of unexpected thing gets thrown at you. Like there's lots of little silly twists. So maybe they mean that. Lewis Parks has said I always I always loved scanning planets in Mass Effect. I find I... Mass Effect though it's th- it's that weird middle ground between it's it's not got like the scale of no man's sky where you can go to any of the planets but it's not really you know but the few planets that you could go to tended just to be like icy miserable icy plains uh this is the original mass effect i guess yeah yeah. uh and then at the other end you have something like the outer worlds where everything is there for a reason uh i guess he's talking about scanning rather than landing shooting probes at planets. I don't know how, how anyone could find that fun. Yeah, I found that just something I had to do. But you could sometimes get side missions out of it, which is always quite exciting. Yeah, that's true. Is that exciting? I don't know. I don't know if I've even convinced myself on that one. <laughs> I love that effect, though, so... Yeah. Alright, cool. We should wrap this up for reals, though. Oh, yeah. Matthew's got to go at the dentist. Okay, Matthew's got to go and discover what it's like to get a gum, a... get a gum shield. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, uh, uh, I've been grinding my teeth at night, and I've basically ground my teeth to. Sh- <laughs> and uh, it would have been, I like, I'm not, I'm not blaming anyone, but it would have been really great if someone had told me that I ground my teeth at night when I'm asleep <laughs> and I don't know someone, why I do it. Someone. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, so you're, said, like, you're using. My teeth look 20 years older than they should be. 20 years! You're using. 20 the years because someone to, like... was too polite to mention that I ground my teeth. You're subtweeting your wife on. <laughs> on our podcast. I think. I think that's unfair because surely a lot of the time you're asleep. Catherine will also be asleep. Well, ah, you see, but here's the twist. I snore like a motherfucker and she can't get to sleep. <laughs> Maybe that's why you don't deserve to have your teeth problems reported to you. How can Maybe you? Maybe she puts in earplugs to block out the snoring. I don't know. Hey, listen, it's a mystery. How... It's a mystery to be discovered, I guess. How um... can someone simultaneously <laughs> snore really loudly and grind their teeth? <laughs> 
Well, like, I'm not going to get into it, but, like, the dentist says, says uh, there is actually correlation between snorers and teeth grinders. Okay. It just, it just seems like, like, patting your head and rubbing your tummy. It I does. Can't. It, it's, it's, it's basically like the most obnoxious thing you can do in your sleep is to, is to make both the, the mouth and the, noise, the nose noises, but somehow I found a way. Oh, what a skill to have had. Um, okay, that's it for us. Let's, let's all go to the dentists now. Uh, thank you for listening to the electronic wireless show at rockpeepershotgun.com. Uh, the only podcast you need, in Alice's opinion. And uh, thank you to Matthew Castle for coming on. Thanks for having me. And thank you as ever to Alice Bell. Thank you, Brendan. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you have themes to suggest, please send them to rock podcast at rockpapershotgun.com uh, you can find our videos uh, at rockpapershotgun if you just type that into YouTube you'll find some of Matthew's videos uh, along with Alice LaGuari's videos yes. and yeah get us on Twitter and Facebook at rockpapershot just tell your friends about this podcast and about our cool website it's purple and it's green and it's got good words on it um, what's the other thing we do? One last thing. Uh, where we, we recommend sing farewell a thing. Song. We, we do some farewell recommendations. So very, oh, yeah. very quickly. Very, very quickly. Matthew, you have to tell us something that you've been enjoying uh, outside of the sphere of games, like a book or a TV show. Recommend something to our listeners. Uh, I imagine lots of people have already started watching it, but I've, I've been watching uh, Chernobyl, the... Chernobyl, Chernobyl, the drama about the exploding uh, nuclear reactor, and if you like lots of grim-faced bureaucrats arguing about uh, radiation poisoning, it's good, a good drama. <laughs> Who doesn't? Do you see, like yeah. the the Mail or the Sun or somewhere was like it's based on a true story. Like, oh no, it is the grimmest <laughs> thing ever. It it really makes you think, like. Oh, Jesus, that is just hell on earth. It looks this, like hell. It's terrible. This feels a bit mean to say, but my, my sister, whenever that started, uh, show started, my sister texted like, the family group chat in WhatsApp was like, and then you just heard about this Chernobyl thing that happened years ago. <laughs> <laughs> the whole group was like, how did you have this blind spot in your life? She obviously, obviously didn't play enough uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. No, or Stalker, yeah. or any of the video games. Yeah. Um, Alice, what is your recommendation? Apart from Iceland's meat-free uh, section, <laughs> I would like to... It's it's another TV show, but possibly lighter than uh, Matthew's recommendation, although it is also about death. Um, well, well, it's uh, Dead to Me on uh, Netflix, um, which is about... Um, uh, it stars Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini uh, and... Uh, Basically, the premise is this woman's husband has uh, died a few months ago in a hit and run, and she makes friends with uh, another woman at a sort of grief counselling group, and it's sort of about their friendship. Uh, and there is there's a big there's sort of there's a twist, but it happens at the end of the first episode, and you'll know by the end of the first episode if if you want to watch more or not. But I think it's very funny and very good. Excellent, Brendan. What um, have you got? I'm going to recommend a book a book called uh, Lingo by oh no I've forgotten the name of the author it's a book called Lingo it's by a Dutch author uh-huh. uh, who's a linguist and it basically gives you like 60 chapters of European languages it's like, it's called it's subtitled it's like a language spotter's guide to Europe and it's just a chapter for each kind of language or dialect that is interesting to him. And it just gives you like some little fun facts about words or where words come from. And it's really, it's really interesting. It's a good, I guess it would be a good toilet book if you could just leave it in your bathroom and read a chapter when you, when you go to the bathroom and you'll learn about how there's no word for yes or no in Manx or, you know, quirky stuff like that. You get to, it teaches you how to read the Cyrillic. 
Ooh, well, there's one okay. chapter that's just like Cyrillic isn't as hard as you think, and then it just sets out to teach you Cyrillic, and it actually it does it, like I can't read it now very well, but it does give you like some little tests, like it teaches you how to read Saint Petersburg, and it's like oh yeah, actually it makes sense now. Oh, that's uh, cool. So it's pretty cool. That's cool. Thanks, Brendan. Good recommendations, both. All good recommendations. All good recommendations. Um. Okay. That's it for now, though. We're going now. Uh, Matthew, have fun at the dentists. I will. <laughs> Alice, have fun in have fun in Norway. I will. I will. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. dial it back.